Welcome to episode 15 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Alan Jones. Alan is an exceptional painter, but his work also crosses over sculpture and collage. He's had 22 solo shows and has been involved in over 130 group shows. He's been awarded many art prizes, including the Mossman, Kilgour and Paddington Art Prizes, and he's been a finalist in many others. His work took a personal twist about a decade ago when he was living near the Hawkesbury River in Sydney, and in our conversation, he describes an amazing coincidence which set him on the path of exploring his ancestry and bringing his art closer to home. All the works we talk about are on the website, talkingwithpainters.com. As usual, I start at the beginning and asked Alan where he grew up. Most of my childhood, was spent growing up in the um, Hills District in northwest of Sydney. Before we moved there, though, we lived um, in a little town called Walcatcham in northwest of Perth, about 200 oh, k's yeah. northwest of Perth. We lived there for two years, and I was two and three years old. My dad was a publican, and uh, so we lived in the pub. Yeah, the Wild Catchem Hotel. Oh. And so, is that just a little town? Was it? No. Yeah, it's a little town. I think. Um, I think at the in the nineteen seventy nine eighty when we were there, I think the population was about six hundred and fifty, oh. and uh, it's since shrunk because Dad and I went back to Wild Catchem in two thousand eleven. I think the population's down to around. 350 now. Is it just got like a, a one main street sort of a thing? Yeah, it, absolutely, yeah. Very much like a one horse town. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. There was a few little corners of the pub which I thought, oh, that sort of feels <laughs> you know, yeah. vaguely sort of familiar. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but I was, you know, I was, I was too young. But Dad, yeah. I mean, Dad, he knew the place like, um, yeah. It's like he'd never Well, left. he probably knew all the people there. Absolutely. And, you know, it was funny because we turned up to the pub and um, we walked down to the local corner store and we walk in and the, and the, uh, the guy behind the counter there says, Oh, g'day, Mick. How you doing? Oh. Gotta, gotta love the country towns. <laughs> Isn't that great? But there is something about those small towns that is just, there's so much sort of uh, camaraderie or whatever, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, look, it was a really magic experience, actually, going back mm. to Wildcatcham. Yeah. Mm. So, so, when you were sort of a young kid, like in your early school years, did you draw much or paint? Or what, what's, when, what are your earliest memories of sort of that sort of thing? Yeah, look... I'm the um, youngest of three boys, and um, both my older brothers, are, I always thought that they, and they are real, very creative people. But so growing up, I always sort of looked up to them and thought, oh, mm. you know, look at these amazing drawings that like Todd can do, like my older brother, for example. Yeah. And um, and always just sort of, I suppose, yeah, just sort of looked up to them and mm. and just thought. You know, like, oh, I want to be able to do that, and that, and so they used to draw a lot. Yeah, did they? so yeah, so Todd in particular was very creative, and you know, always drawing, always keeping sketch pads. So I, yeah, as the sort of as his younger brother would sort of look at him and think like, oh, that's like he's just like the coolest guy. Yeah, there yeah. Is. And so that was, um, I suppose, like my introduction to art, really, just like looking at my older brothers. You know, I was always drawing as well, but I, I always thought, oh, my, I'm not as good as Todd. You know, I mean, as a kid, 
in maths class, I was always drawing, like, you know, like little, making like little cartoons in the corners of the maths yeah. book, you know, and then you flick through the pages oh, to make yeah. a little animation. So all my school books are all just sort of covered up with like little, like little doodles and scribbles and like little characters yeah. and little like Disney, Disney characters as well. So did you do art at school, at high school? Yeah, I did. And, um, and was that when it was getting more, like say for senior high school, is that when you started realising you wanted to pursue that? Yeah, look, art was always my favourite thing to do. Art and, and um, design and technology oh, yeah. at high school were always yeah. my favourite things to do. Like anything to do with, you know, um, working with my hands. Um, and um, so I suppose it just got to a point where, you know, you have to sort of decide what you're going to do after school. And, um, and I had this fantastic art teacher actually at high school. Cherrybrook Technology High School, oh, uh, yeah. who said, "Oh, Alan, you should, you know, you should really um, look at applying for the National Arts School." So I took her advice, and yeah, that's so. It was her encouragement that really led you to yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah. She she definitely played a key part in those years around mm. high school. You know, when you're sort of deciding what am I going to do. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do something in the arts. Uh, I thought about animation for a little while, but um, once I went to art school, you know, I totally lost all, you know, all the ideas I had for animation. I, I mm. thought, oh, I'm, Why so, do you think that was? I'm so glad I didn't go down that path. Mm. Um, oh, I just, it would have been a very different career path. Yeah. Um, and, um, but did you start thinking, I want to do more painting? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just, it's probably just occurred to me um, once I was in art school that, you know, there was sort of a higher art form than yeah. um, cartoons. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I loved, um, you know, one of my memories of my childhood is watching the old cartoons mm. in slow motion. So How did you get to do that? Oh, just on the video recorder we had at home. See, I'd go and hire, like, you know, the old Disney classics. Like what? Like Fantasia or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All those early Disney classics where they're all hand-drawn. Watch them in slow motion and then... And then um, what, like on VHS? Yeah. You mean? Yeah, yeah. So, in oh, so you could analyse how they were doing and it? And then you could see each, each frame. Because I remember asking Mum when I was a kid, you know, probably... 10, 10 or 12 years old, um, like, how are cartoons made? And Mum said, oh, they're made up of lots of drawings. Because I had no idea before then. Yeah, and um, of course. So I was like, oh, wow, I, did, I had no idea. And um, so just, that sort of got me fascinated in yeah. the idea of drawing because I loved the cartoons yeah. so much. Yeah, oh, so that's a, nat mm. that's a natural idea when you leave school that that's what you're going to be attracted to, but then you're sort of exposed to more things. So what yeah. sort of things do you... Can you remember when you were at National Arts School, what sort of artists that you were exposed to did you... sort of inspired you? Well, I was 17 when I started the, my time at the National Arts School, so I was just straight out of high school. But, I, you know, I didn't know any, any painters. I mean, you know, no. I'd heard of... Um, Picasso and Brett Whiteley and I mean pretty much you had to start from the beginning which was great you know and probably from the the teacher's perspective that was probably good as well because yeah. you know you're starting a student from the ground up you know so um, yeah. so what did they teach like painting wise um, did you learn like sort of technique and that sort of thing at, at art school or yeah we um, 
one of the, one of my teachers, John Peart, um, he, he was one of my favourite teachers actually. Like I can remember a session that we did with John where John came into the class and he set up a canvas and he pretty much spent the afternoon painting himself and so mm. that was the first time I'd seen like a real painter. Yeah. Painting. Actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. because before then I had no idea, you know. Yeah. Um, had no idea about technique or... Yeah, how would you... Colour, how do you, how do you how put How set paint? it out. Yeah, yeah, like how do you put the paint onto canvas? Um, yeah. But it was brilliant for a student to be able to see that, you know, and that, you know, just little um, sessions like that, you know, really can change the course of the way you think. Yeah. And John Peart was a, an abstract artist? Yeah, he yeah. was, yeah. And um, did you... Is that what you started doing when you first were at... Like, so when you left art school, what was your sort of, what was your body of work or what were you working yeah, on? Yeah, well, um, certainly my years at art school, the work was very abstract. You know, we were all looking at sort of the American abstract expressionists and mm. um, the Diebenkorn mm. book from the library was very worn out. <laughs> <laughs> not, by, not just by me, but by a lot of people. <laughs> because, you know, we were all learning how to put paint onto canvas, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. Um, you know, you look at, um, you know, like Philip Gaston and um, Richard Diebenkorn and, you, you know, the way that they apply the paint is, oh, it's beautiful. I mean, even now, you know, like I still look now at those great painters and mm. if I was to come across their work in a museum and, you know, they're fantastic, amazing, powerful works. Yeah. Um, so I'd still have that view now, but part of me now would look at those works and think this is what I studied when I was in art school, you know, because um, yeah. that's that's what I was interested in, you know, yeah. abstraction and um, and the way that Diebenkorn could sort of dissect the landscape and make what was a very conventional landscape, like make it an you know, in like an abstract form, you know, mm. and... Um, yeah, it sort of just really fascinated me. And so what did you, how did you get your first show? My first exhibition was in 1999 and yeah. it was at Global Gallery in Sydney, which isn't there anymore. Do you remember what, what your work was, like what sort of work it was? It was mostly sketches that I did on a trip that I did out to Alice Springs. Okay. And right. uh, it was called Drawings from Dural to Alice. Um, what was that experience like, your first show, was it? Oh, it was good. It was, it was uh, you know, very nerve-wracking like it is now today, yeah. 22 solo shows later. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, I was nervous, but I was ready for it. You know, I finished, uh, finished my time at the National Art School, graduated in 1997. I was very fortunate to leave art school with a Pat Corrigan Travelling Art Scholarship. Where did you go? Spent time in Italy, in France, the UK, oh. went to Greece, spent some time in Amsterdam. Pretty much went from museum to museum mm. and, you know, backpacking around as well mm. and just sort of, you know, seeing the other side of the world because I hadn't been overseas mm. before then. So yeah. did that change your, um, your direction as to what you were doing in, in your own practice? I wouldn't say it changed the direction, but it certainly just cemented the ideas that I had for me wanting to be a full-time painter. Because before then, like, I mean, even all through art school, I didn't 
really know how I would make a living, you know? Like, how, how do I turn my paintings into money? I have no idea, you know? Probably just really cemented the idea that it's like, you know, I'm gonna just live and work as a full-time artist and just wanna like do um, exhibit consistently mm. and yeah it just sort of became real to me at that yeah, stage yeah. I mean I'm still at this stage I'm still 21 so yeah it's, it is quite young and yeah. most people at that age sort of don't quite know what they're doing so that's that's a great experience actually so can we um fast forward now to just your most recent show so we've gone from your first show to, <laughs> to your last show um which was at Olsen Gallery which is in Willara in Sydney and it was called Time and Place Recent Collage which is Absolutely brilliant show. I loved it. Just to give a bit of background for people who who um, who might not have been to the show. I mean, if you walked in and you saw the works from afar, you might have thought, "Oh, they're paintings on canvas or on linen or something." Go up close, and they're absolutely amazing painted wooden collages. When did you first start this sort of um, idea of the of the collage? The first time I was using collage was actually in those early years after art school. Okay. Actually. Yeah. yeah. All um, right. Just working with um, bits of paper, like glued and pinned down, and um, they're pretty raw. You know, some of them, uh, you know, get out the staple gun and just sort of staple a bit of one piece of paper to another. And then I completely let the collage go. Just got more into painting and, and, and sculpture and well probably 10 or 12 years went by. It was when I was on a trip to Fowler's Gap in 2011. Where um, was it? Fowler's Gap did you call it? Yeah just um, 80 k's north of Broken Hill and you know I was looking for a way of how do I um, capture this landscape mm. you know and so that was when I first started getting back into collage because I thought, oh, you know, if I can just lay down some really fast, quick slabs of colour, using collage would be the best way to do that, you know. Okay. Was that, so when you did that, was that with canvas or...? That, that was actually with paper and then the paper quickly sort of led to the canvas and then the canvas led on to what I'm now using, uh, timber. Yeah, you know, like I've been able to sort of leave it aside as well, mm. and I've um, done more of your sort of conventional paintings where you know you sort of paint onto linen. But I never seem to be too far from collage, and yeah, you know, I just really love it, you know, because it's so playful and mm. it allows me to experiment and work really quickly because the paintings. Uh, can get very labour intensive. You know, build up with lots of fine layers of glaze. You know, you can find yourself layering and layering and layering and before you know it, like two months goes by and you're still working on the same painting. And that's fine, like I yeah. love that, totally love that. But there's something very fresh um, about the sort of completely new set of eyes as well. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to talk about the sculpture work that you do because mm. you do a lot of sculpture as well as painting. Um, and uh, can we start to, by talking about the sculptures from, is it from plywood? Is that what you? Plywood, yeah. I was doing a lot of sort of research into my family heritage at the time and, um, and looking at um, the first fleet. And okay. so I was looking I was looking for a way of how I could sort of represent the, 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 
the British, um, the, the British in the form of an icon. Okay. And um, so I, I was over in uh, London with my partner and um, we found ourselves in London in a little souvenir shop. Oh, yeah. And, you know, full of all the British icons. And I thought, oh, it's all here for me on a plate. <laughs> so I've come, I came home with, with a whole bag full of little souvenirs and yeah. have used those little souvenirs as like almost like a sketch pad to work from. So you just enlarged the back. from the models, yeah. So yeah, basically just scaling up. For example, the the sculpture I made of Big Ben uh, scaled yeah. up the little souvenir that I bought of Big Ben and um, using uh, using power tools and all made out of uh, plywood and timber. So you didn't. So you weren't going to painting for that. Why did you? Yeah. Do you know why you were doing the sculpture? Is it just that you like doing that or? I like to have sculpture and painting on the go in the studio simultaneously. And if it's not sculpture, it's got to be something else. And, you know, probably these days I've been doing more and more collage, so the collage sort of is almost becomes like a substitute for the sculpture. Mm. But, but for me, what it is, is it's using your hands differently, you know. Like, when you're making a painting, you know, it's very much about you know, the, the paintbrush and, the, you know, the, you've got the canvas there in front of you and ha how you're applying the paint and, and, mm. um, and so, you, you know, you have your sort of process for painting, right? Mm. And then you go and start to work with a sculpture, whether it be a bit of clay or timber or it doesn't matter, just a completely different material. And it's like your mind just starts going in a different direction, you know, mm. you start thinking about different ideas uh, because your hands are doing something completely different and it just keeps the work really fresh. It helps the paintings as well because you come back to visit the, um, the paintings the next day and you've got completely fresh eyes, you know. Yeah. And, and vice versa, you know, you put the painting down and you go back to the sculpture, all of a sudden you can see the sculpture through a completely new set of eyes as well. Mm. Yeah, so there often seems to be a personal connection with a lot of your work, like with your personal life. Yeah, that's right, there is. Um, in around 2005, I made a very conscious decision to make the subject a lot more personal. Oh, yeah. Um, because prior to 2005, a lot of the work that I was interested in both looking at and, and you know, certainly in the studio, what I was making as well, um, a lot of it had a connection to you know, trips that I had done to Europe, and that was great. But I suppose I just sort of got to a point in time where I felt like I needed to have like a stronger connection to the subject. Yeah, you've sort of looked into your ancestry, haven't you? Yeah. When I was living out in Windsor, um, north-west of Sydney, I did these series of um, self-portraits in the landscape. Oh. And it was just the landscape at the end of my street. It was the nearest landscape to me. And it was a beautiful landscape as well. Um, so it was sort of like... What was it? It was just looking over the Hawkesbury River. And it was just very convenient just to sort of like leave the house and um, go to the little park next door and you could yeah. sit down there and, you know, paint and draw all day right on the river, you oh, know. Oh, wow, yeah. And then it was only after I was chatting with um, one of my uncles that he brought to my attention that this landscape was where our old ancestor used to live. His name, Robert Forrester, um, 
Yeah. Oh, we actually probably should say he was a he was a con one of the convicts, wasn't he? He was a convict. Yeah. yeah on the first fleet, and um, and so yeah, he he got uh, he's got a very interesting story. Yeah. Um, what is it? Yeah. What did he get um, charged with or convicted well, of? Yeah. He was he was in London and got um, caught stealing six gold guineas, which oh. um, is actually a lot of money. About $25,000 Oh, now. right. Yeah. Okay. So that's a significant yeah, amount yeah. of money. Um, so, so he got a grant, he got a land grant after his, the, his sentence was served. Yeah, so he um, got on a boat and, and um, sailed up to where is now Windsor. It was called Green Hills then, but it's, um, we now know it as Windsor. As it turned out, um, the landscape that I was in fact painting was in fact the original land grant that Robert was granted oh, when that's he... that's amazing. Um, yeah. So it's a pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. That you were painting that area and that was the land that he was granted. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just was quite blown away to think that here I am painting a completely random landscape, yeah. could have been anywhere, uh, putting self-portraits in the landscape and to find out that that particular landscape was in fact the, the original plot of land that Robert Forrester was granted in 1796. It was too much of a coincidence. I had to work with that. Yeah, um, that's right. It did really did get me on a path of thought and I just knew I wanted to um, look further into it and work as with it as much as I could, you know, um, yeah, this. Yeah. Um, and it's gone on and sort of um, developed into other things where, you know, since then I've sort of uh, looked beyond Robert's story and just sort of um, looked more broadly at, you know, like the arrival of the British in Australia. But, um, but it certainly began with, um, with that little particular plot of land. Yeah, because you, you won the Kilgour Prize in 2014 for... Um, a portrait of Robert Forrester called Robert Forrester Number no. Two. I was I was very interested when I saw it. It's a great painting, fantastic. It was like, it was it life size or larger than life? Do you think a bit larger than life size? Oh, but it would have been about life size. Yeah, about life size. Mm. So when you decided to do that portrait, how did you? Uh, what what were you thinking of? of the composition. I mean, how, how were you sort of thinking about the pose and all that sort of thing? Like, yeah. How did you come up with that? Yeah, look, I mean, it, it was pretty intuitive sort of painting. I mean, um, you just sort of work it out as you go along. But yeah. I, I knew I wanted to capture Robert's little plot of land. So that certainly had to be in the painting. And yeah. when it came to depicting Robert, because there's no ref there's no references of Robert. I mean, there's no. it's not like I could work from photos or anything. No. I just tried to imagine what... Robert might have looked like. Yeah. Scraggly yeah. guy with a big beard. I can't imagine he shaved every day. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you had, did you have him in his convict sort of gear? Yeah, yeah. so um, had him um, shackled up with a ball and chain and yeah. um, it might have looked like that. It, it probably didn't. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. For me, it doesn't really matter because it's just the idea of sort of representing mm, Robert, you know, yeah, rather yeah. than did this look like Robert? Yeah. Um, and that, that's probably um, the case with most of my work, actually. And, and since then, you've also um, done a, a number of paintings where you've got a figure or a, a head in with a landscape behind it. And in particular, last year, you won the Mossman Art Prize with a painting called Painting 131 North Coogee. And in that painting, you've got two self-portraits. Would you describe it like that? 
Oh, how yeah. would you describe yeah. those heads? They're sort of floating in the landscape, aren't they? Yeah, two little black and white heads. I, I actually think of them as one self-portrait. Okay. Um, because they're profiles, aren't they? They're profiles looking at each other. That's right, yeah. So it is, it is two heads mm. um, and they do look at each other. Um, but even still, I, I would consider that like one self-portrait. And the reason I would consider it one self-portrait is because it's basically me um, looking at myself, taking note of sort of who I am and where where I am in my life and, you know, me just sort of wanting to get away from representing myself as sort of like a literal figure Mm. or, Mm. you know, a, a feeling or, you know, trying to sort of go beyond my sort of physical self. And, I, and that one was it set in Coogee? Yeah, uh, so, so about three years ago, uh, my family and I, we um, moved to Coogee and... Um, which is, a, I should just say, it's a beach in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> a, beach, a beach suburb in Sydney. Beach yeah. suburb in yeah, Sydney, yeah. yeah. Beautiful beach suburb, actually. Oh, look, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. You know, yeah. we're very, very lucky. Um, and, we, you know, we've spent a lot of time there and... Um, and so it felt, just felt sort of only natural to want to depict that part, particular part of the world, you know, mm. and, and for me to want to put myself in that landscape like I did for the Mossman Art Prize just felt like the obvious thing to do. Mm. Did you find it challenging sort of depicting such a beautiful place, you know? And it's also a bit of a postcard <laughs> sort of place, isn't it? It is, yeah. And... Look, whenever I go to the coastline, I often think, wow, what a beautiful landscape. How do I get away from this beautiful scene? Because you, know, like, you don't want to just sit down and make paintings of postcards. Yeah. But when you live in Coogee, uh, and equally like with this latest series of works of um, where I've gone up to Mooney Beach, for yeah. example. Coffs um, Harbour. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, a beautiful part of the mm. world. It's like, what can I do to get away from... Uh, depicting just like a, cli- a cliched, yeah, yeah. cliched postcard scene. So, look, it was made easy, um, or that was certainly made easier um, with the Mossman Art Prize work um, by the fact that I knew that this self-portrait was going to go into the landscape. Mm. Um, and I actually work with that as well, you know, because the, the landscape is a very beautiful landscape, you know, it is, it's, it's, um, and the way I've painted it, it's a very mm. softly painted painting, mm. um, it's very, lots of very fine layers, you mm. know, very um, delicate shifts in tones and colour mm. and... Um, mm. It's and, beautiful. And then on top of the surface sits these two <laughs> in your face. Amazing. <laughs> Non-apologetic. Yeah. Um, black and white heads, which... They're there to create tension. Yeah, you know? I should I should explain a little bit about that that um, the application of your paint on that, which is pretty amazing. It's, it's is it straight from the tube that you've applied these long pieces of paint? Yeah, so it come it, it, it's from a corking gun, so it's not not directly from the tube. Okay, um, but it, it's very thick, very um, you know pasto um, paint um, mm. that I have put into a corking gun, acrylic mm. paint. Um, and it squeezes out in these mm. delicious long thin yeah, lines. It's so yeah. effective. And then you, and the, and you let the sort of end of it just sort of taper off. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let the paint do what it wants to do. As yeah, well, so. yeah. <laughs>
And you've been you've been um, finalist in the Archibald Prize three times. Congratulations, that's oh, great. Thank you. Uh, and I noticed that you know you're talking about personal connections in your work, and and I noticed that um, that you know you do have personal connections with those, the subjects of those paintings. Two of them, um, including this year's painting, are of Pat Corrigan, who is a, a successful businessman and, and um, arts philanthropist. Um, you've known him for a long time. Yeah, so I've known Pat since 1997 when. I was awarded his scholarship. His, oh, it was the right, inaugural yeah. Pat Corrigan Travelling Arts Scholarship. So yeah, the, the first one, you know. And uh, and um, Pat came up to me at the National Arts School, and he, um, he came up to me after the ceremony and gave me his business card and said, "Oh, you know, give me a call." And look, I called him uh, called him about three days later. I was sort of really nervous. And look, I'm glad I did. I called Pat because mm. we're good friends now, you know. And we yeah. um, we often catch up for coffee. He comes over here all the time, and um, you know he's helped me out so many times over the years. Um, mm. Whenever um, you know, found myself needing advice, he's always great on advice. Or you know, mm. oh, Pat, come and buy a painting. Like he'll come along and you know, so su important. support in that way. That's as right. Well. Yeah, it's great that we have people in the community that are supporting the arts like that. So yeah, so to be able to paint Pat for the 2013 Archibald Prize was uh, it just felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. And so when you painted um, him again for this year's Archibald, did you find that it was? Uh, sort of an advantage to have painted somebody before, like, you know, the second time round? Does it help? Yeah, look, I I um, definitely felt more familiar with his face um, mm. because you do find yourself studying how the shape of their nose or the, yeah. you know, the way the skin goes around their eyes or whatever it is, or, you know, the, in Pat's case, you know, like his, the way he sort of combs his hair back and the way he sits and... Um, so you sort of figured out a lot of that before. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt, yeah, it was a bit like a deja vu, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> This right. time around. And, and, the th and the other painting is of Adam Goods, who's mm. um, the, he was Australian of the Year, and he's former AFL player. Mm. You said about that, that having Adam sit for you was one of your most treasured experiences as an artist. Mm. Can you tell me a bit about that experience? I'm a big football um, supporter. I, oh, yeah. I played football myself for 18 years, oh, and um, right. so and I'm a big Swannies fan. So you know, I've known Adam as a supporter of the football team. You know, right. um, and um, I mean, I was here at the studio, getting you know, I got the studio ready, and I sort of you know cleaned up a little bit and sort of made sure that I was sort of organised for when he came over, and I popped out of the studio and. Um, just to go and see one of the neighbours and then when I came back thinking, oh, he must be here soon, he was actually just walking up the stairs and uh, I thought, oh, my God, there's Goodsy. And, yeah. you know, one of the first things I thought was, um, I thought, God, look at him. he's so tall, you know, he's so yeah. big, you know, like, he's just like this. He's an athlete. He, yeah, he's yeah. a professional footballer, that's for sure, you know, <laughs> like this huge big guy and... Yeah. He, um, he had just come from training and, um, yeah, he actually had a sore knee at that stage because yeah, he had a bit of time off, I think. He had surgery on one of his knees and so had about 10 months off playing, I think. So he hadn't quite come back. He'd just come from training and he sort of hobbled over and I thought, look at this huge big guy. It's like this mountain of muscles, you know. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, hobbling along like a 95-year-old. <laughs> but look, yeah. he was 
such a lovely dude. Mm. He was so nice and he came in here so generous with his time mm. and um, he was very interested to see you know all about my work and what mm. I got up to and what you know sort of what I did with myself and um, yeah it's just very just such a humble peaceful guy you know yeah. so very quietly spoken um, very intelligent dude mm. um, he's obviously very passionate about his own heritage. Mm, um, he's always struck me as a quite impressive person. Yeah, yeah very, um, mm. yeah, very worthy winner of the, the Australian of the Year. That's for mm, sure. Mm. Yeah, when Adam came mm. over, I mostly sketched actually. Um, okay. Yeah, I set up a canvas mm -hmm. and um, got out some um, some acrylics and pretty much just did some loose, very loose sketches mm -hmm. of him while he was here and. Um, yeah, that, that was really good to do that actually, because um, looking uh, looking at someone when you're painting them is very different to when you're um, like looking at a photograph, mm. for example. Mm. Like you you just look so much more intensely at um, the forms when when you're in fact painting them. So after you won the um, Kilgour Art Prize in, in 2014. You said it's like someone saying to you, you're doing all right, you're going in the right direction, just keep going. Um, so how important do you think it is to, for, to have encouragement as an artist, you know, to, to keep that, to sort of say that you keep going and keep focused, you know? It's everything, you know, because it's hard for an artist to know if you're going in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're in my studio today. I mean, it's a big, essentially, it's a big empty room, you know. Um, you know, I come to work every day and it's, you know, come in here and I'm here by myself. And Yeah, um, it's very solitary, isn't it? It, it is a very um, solitary existence, you know. Um, mm. And, um, you, you know, the, the encouragement that you get from whether it be... Uh, Colleagues, or you know, other other people who are painting, or you, you know, family, friends, galleries, whoever it is, you know, yeah. it's hard to know if you're going in the right direction. But um, occasionally, occasionally, to have someone come along and sort of say, "Hey, uh, what about this? Or what about that?" Or you know, to have those sorts of uh, dialogues and that sort of interaction with um, certainly and with other painters mm. is, is just so valuable, mm. you know. Mm. Um, well, Alan, thank you so much for um, this interview and for letting me see inside your studio. Um, yeah. And um, good luck with everything next year. Oh, thanks, Maria. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. Alan is going to be part of a fascinating event at the Yellow House in Sydney later this year where he'll be painting a mural to the live music of the Australian Art Quartet which sounds like a must-see to me. So go to the website talkingwithpainters.com for a link to that before it sells out. I'll also be posting some video clips on the Facebook and Instagram pages where Alan talks about his techniques and shows some of his work. Hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters.